The following shear has been presented by Rav Yosef Jakobowitz, the Chaber Sefer Gavol Roshayim on Erevin, and has been brought to you by the base of Ad Halacha Center. To dedicate a parsha or an entire sefer, please call one eight 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 four eight five eight two two three or email info at the halachacenter dot org. Coming up soon, Yom Tov Shuas. Everyone knows the famous minig to have machol echalav milch gefud on the Yom Tov Shuas. It's actually a remah. The halachas of Shuas are found in the Hilchos Pesach and Shulchan Aruch. And the Ramah in our Chaim Simon Topsai Dalad Siv Gimel writes that Menoigim become Mekomis. The Minig is in many places. Lachal Machali Cholov to eat dairy foods, milk foods, we are reached Shuas on the first day of Shuas. And there's different reasons, different famous reasons that are given for this Minig. The Ramah says his reason. It appears to me that the reason is It's like the Shnei Tavshilin, two cooked foods, Shleichim Belel Pesach, that we have. On Seder night, Zeichel Pesach, Zeichel Chagigo. On Seder night, there's two Tavshilin, two cooked foods on the Ka'ara. One to remember the Karim Pesach, and one to remember the Karim Chagigo. Ken Oichlim, similarly, we eat Michael Cholov, a milk food, on Shavuos. Achach Michael Basar, and afterwards, a flesh of food. Fitzrichim Lahavi Imam Beis Lechem, and you have to bring with them two separate loaves of bread, two separate Chalas, Al Shokh on the table, Shemok Mazbeach, at the Mazbeach. The age possesses a car, and there isn't this a remembrance. The Shteh Alechem, the Shteh Alechem, Shemekuvim Biyema Bikurim. On Shvuas and Thomas Beis they brought a car with the Avav, Shteh Alechem, two loaves of bread. And to remember the Shteh Alechem, we have milk food, and after it's flesh food. And Allah is that the challah, the bread that's eaten with milk food, cannot be eaten afterwards directly with flesh food. And therefore, when the Hechrech were forced to have two different separate challahs, two different lechem, like this, there's a remembrance. And the Mishtabura says, it's a Kanyadal and Tazbav, he explains this, and he says, therefore, the Midig is by many, that the first Lechem, the one they have with the milk of food, that Lechem, that Chal, is actually baked with Chemas, baked with butter. And this way, we should be forced to bring a second Chal to eat with the, with the meat afterwards. Because the milk of the bread, the milk of the Chal, certainly cannot be eaten with Basa, cannot be eaten, cannot be eaten with meat. Because the Lech is that Chal of bread that's eaten directly it's eaten directly with milchiks, cannot be eaten directly with meat afterwards. Ramosha explains in the tshuva, in the Gesmosha Yeridea Chelek Aleph, Simulam and Ches, that that only means the actual slice of challah, the piece of bread that was together, that was, that was eaten, and that was meant to be eaten together with, with cheese, together with milchiks, cannot be eaten afterwards with meat. However, the general challah that was on the table with the milchiks, the rest of the challah, that was not someone's individual piece to be eaten with milchiks, the rest of the challah could be eaten afterwards with fleshes. And therefore, based on that, we would not be forced to have Shteh Lechem, two separate breads. Ramosha says that there are people who have a minig, it's based on the Agayi Sashri, that the challah that was on the table with Mulchiks should not be eaten with Fleishiks, and vice versa. But that's not Me'ikar Adin. Me'ikar Adin, only the actual piece of challah, or slice of bread, that was on your plate to eat with the Mulchiks, cannot be eaten afterwards with Fleishiks. But the general challah that was on the table, Me'ikar Adin, it could be eaten afterwards if it was on the table, on the mukhla, table with mukhla food, it could be eaten afterwards with fleshes. And Mr. Brewer is saying over here, that in order to be forced to have two different lechams, two different breads, some of the minig, no good is a minig, to have actual butter in the bread. Now this presents a different question, because the Allah is, it appears in Yerdeus, in Mitzayi Zayin, the end of Hukas Basel Vachalov, that really, one is not allowed to make mukhla bread, one is not allowed to make challah mukhla. 
And the reason is, because there's a chashash, because there's a concern that they might forget that this actual bread is milchiks, and they might come to eat it afterwards with, with fleshes. And they'll be over chashbasham on the isra of basa v'chalot. So because of this, chalot, bread, has to be made parak. So how do we have this in, entire case that Mishnah is talking about, that there was a minute to actually bake butter in the chalot, to have, have milchik chalot? So the answer is that one looks over there in your Deisim and Saizayin and the Shachnarach and in the other Paiskim, they'll see that there's many exceptions, many circumstances under which one is allowed to bake Milch One primary example is that if one bakes only a Dovermut, only enough to eat by one Suda, so then they can make Milch bread, because since it's only enough to eat by one Suda, and this Suda is a Milch Suda, they're not afraid that afterwards they're going to end up being with Fleishiks, because the assumption is that they only baked enough to eat by one Suda, one meal, so they'll eat it by that meal. And that's it, there won't be any leftovers afterwards, and they might come to eat with Fleishiks. Another option is, is they have to make a Shinitsura. If they make it differently, if it has a different shape, or some other obvious simon on the outside of this bread that's baked differently and looks differently than regular challah, the regular bread, that's also good enough that now they can make a milchiks. I are not afraid that they'll end up eating it because since it has a different surah, it looks different. So it's obvious it'll be a reminder that this, the milchik and should not be eaten together with fleshiks. There are other forms of lechem that could be, eat, that could be made milchiks and they're not afraid they're, they're going to be eaten together with meat. And that is if there's a form of lechem, a form of bread, so to speak, that's not usually eaten with meat. For example, cake. One can make a mochaga cake or mochaga cookie because it's not the derev to eat cake and cookies directly with meat. This does not pertain to the mishtabur we're talking about because the mishtabur that we're talking about here by the Lachas of Shavuos says they would make the actual challah for the mochaga suda milchiks. They would make the actual challah with butter in the challah. So it's a general halacha that one should be aware that mochaga cake and mochaga cookies are okay because it's not the derev to eat them with meat. We're not afraid that one's going to come to eat them with meat, because it's not the, the way a person eats cake or cookies. One does not typically eat it directly with meat. However, when it comes to the challah, the Mishnah is talking about, it must be that the minig was to make a small amount of challah, only enough for one suda, or that the challah had a shinitsura, or something that was different about it. Maybe it actually had some butter on the outside, so when you can see the butter, or even if the butter was on the inside, it was not on the outside, it was just an ingredient inside. However, there's a shin in the sewer, it's made differently, and therefore there's no issue of making milk the bread, because it's obvious that this is not the regular challah, and this should only be eaten with milk, it's with power, but should not be eaten with fleshes. Now, after one will finish eating the milk part of their suda and put away the milk bread, so now in their most scenario, in, in their most days, they will now take out different challah, different bread, and they will eat fleshes. Now, do you have to bench in between after you finish eating the milk before you want to eat, eat the fleshes? So Mr. Burns of Kantazayin says, that's not necessary. What's not enough to interrupt with benching in between, rather as long as he is mekaneach piv yafa v'yadiach, that means he should eat something and drink something. After he finishes eating the milk part of the suda, he should eat and drink, and then they can move on to the fleshing part of the suda, and take out the chal that's meant to eat the fleshings, and take out the meat. There are some people who have a minute based on the Zayar HaKadosh. The Zayar HaKadosh says, that one should not eat milchiks of fleishiks b'sha'achas u'v'sudachas. And therefore, some people have the minig to bench, and then they would wash again to eat fleishiks, because they would not eat milchiks of fleishiks in the same suda. However, there's not the ikra din. The ikra din is the first over here in the Mishnah that one could eat milchiks of fleishiks in the same suda, as long as they eat the milchiks first, then they eat and drink something to clean out and wash out their mouths. The eating cleans out the mouth, that's the kinuach, and the drinking washes out the mouth, that's hadachal. Then they can move on to the fleishik part of the suda. Those who have the minig of the Zayar Kaddish, 
So they would bench between. They also would wait in between because the same Zayr says not to eat milk and flesh. Besuda achas and one suda also does not eat milk and flesh b'sha achas at the same time, which might mean the same hour. And therefore, those who go to the minute of the Zayr, besides benching between, they would also wait an hour in between. But this is only an extra chumrah that some people have the minute based on the Zayr Kaddish. Moshe also writes that this is only an extra chumrah only for those who have the specific minute. But those who don't have the minute could go to what it says before Shemesh Tabura, that as long as it's Kinuach Vadachal, it's eating and drinking after the milchiks, before the fleshiks, that's good enough. They do not have to wait an hour, and they do not have to bench in between. One who wants to eat milchiks and later on eat fleshiks and not eat and drink in between, and then not mock on the desire of waiting an hour, how long do they have to wait in between? So they accept the psaac, they have to wait half an hour in between, that's good enough, and they do not have to, uh, have to wait an hour if they're not mocked on the Zayar Kodesh. Now, Mr. Bruce says that there's one exception, there's one case where one cannot eat milchiks and then fleshiks in the same suda, one exception where kinuach vadacha, eating and drinking between, will not be sufficient, and that is if someone had givina kasha, if someone had hard cheese. See, everyone knows that Allah is that after you eat before you eat you have to wait in between. It's for Allah found Simon Petas, and the minute of most of Chai Yisrael is to wait six hours in between Fleshiks and Mukhs. Some say waiting five and a half hours, or five and a little bit, and say it's six hours. But the minute of most of Chai Yisrael is to wait six hours, or something that is close to six hours, it's halachically the equivalent of six hours. The Ramah, in Simon Petas, Yerdei Simon Petas, says that there's also a minute. That after eating gvina kosh, after eating hard cheese, one should also wait the same amount of time before they eat meat. The same way after eating meat, one waits six hours before they eat milchitz, before they drink milk or they eat cheese. Their mom brings a minute also to wait six hours after eating hard cheese, before one eats meat. And their mom seems to feel this is a, that this is a good chumrah. Now, other, other places can, don't go with this, but my son, this is the accepted sack, that after eating um, gvina kosh, after eating hard cheese, one should wait six hours before they eat meat. Now the question is, what is this Gvina Kosha? What is this hard cheese that's been referred to as Simon Petas? And do we have this nowadays? It's known that Rebaran Kotler Zatzal, when he came to America, he lived in America in the 1940s and 1950s until he was Nifter in Tavshach of Gimel in the end of 1962. And he said that here in America nowadays, we don't have Gvina Kosha. We don't have this hard cheese after which one has to wait six hours before they eat meat. One won't have to wait six hours, one won't have to bench. In between, the Baron says that we didn't have this nowadays. Now, the Arab place can hold that we do have today, in the 21st century, we do have this type of a cheese. Uh, the Star K goes, the Psak of the, of the place of the Star K, or Meshahin Meshlita from Baltimore, that says that the certain types of cheese, Parmesan cheese, one does have to wait six hours uh, before they eat meat. He feels that even though Rabban Kotler himself may not have seen this Parmesan cheese, but today that, that we know we have this cheese, one does have to wait six hours after before he eats meat. There are other places who disagree with this Psak. I feel that even nowadays, in the 21st century, we do not have this cheese. In Kremitz Alachas, my Rebbe Yerushua Kamenetzke Shlita, on Hilfus Chag HaShvuas, Alachas HaShvuas, he says over there that we do not have this cheese nowadays, and he says that, that the only cheese that one will have to wait six hours afterwards is, is a cheese that's very hard. The Baron said in his days, it has to be cheese that you have to cut with the ribeyes, in order to some sort of a saw almost, like cut with a saw in order to cut it. And even today, in the 21st century, we don't have cheese that's this hard. The cheese that other boys can feel needs six hours afterwards. Six, the, the quote-unquote six-hour cheese. Um, I was by a Rebbe of Shmuel in Sivan of Tashan Ein Aleph. That's uh, approximately ten years ago when someone brought this cheese, a block of this cheese to him. And they took a knife and they cut it. And Shmuel laughed at it and he said, this is not the hard cheese that the, the, the earlier Paiskim are referring to. So we asked him, so what is the cheese which, after which you have to wait six hours? 
And Shmuel said, you weren't there in Europe, I was there in Europe, you weren't there in Europe, you've been there in Europe before the war, you would have seen that cheese, you will understand this cheese does not compare to that cheese, and this is not the cheese after which you have to wait six hours. So we have Machlechus of, of current Paiskim, contemporary Paiskim, if we have the hard cheese after which one has to wait six hours, or if we don't have that cheese, and everyone should ask their own child. Now, another Shaila that comes up with Boston Machalov, Shua's time, is in terms of Fleshka ovens and Milka ovens. See, some people have two ovens in their kitchen. They have one in which they make Fleshka foods, the Fleshka oven, and one in which they make Milka foods, the Milka oven. However, others only have one oven. And they sometimes want to use the oven for Fleshka, and afterwards want to use it for Milka, and vice versa. And the preparations for Shua's, when they're going to be making nice Milka foods, as well as also making the Fleshka foods for Shua's, so it comes up, how can they go back and forth between fleshings and milkers in the same oven? What are the rules? How does it work? So let's first explain where this whole concept of a fleshing oven or a milk oven comes from. It's because if you look in Hilkes Basel Vachalov, in Yeradea, Simon Sadi Bey's Sevches, you'll find there's a concept of zeya, of steam, that if you have in the oven a machmas, a pan, a machmas shachalov, a milk of the pan, a pan of milk, a pan of milk, you put it in the oven under a kadeir shabasar, under, under a pot of meat, the shokhanarach says, based on Shubha Sarosh, that the zeya oil, the steam comes up, the nivla, and it gets absorbed in the kadeira, in the fleish kapat basura. And now, the israsa. And now, the fleish kapat, and, and, and the meat that's in the pot become asr, become basr bachalov, because the steam coming up, from the machva shachalov, from the pan of milk goes up, it gets absorbed in the fleishka pan, in the fleishka pot, and now you have bus b'chalov on top, and that fleishka pot together with the minute now become also for bus b'chalov. Now, this halacha only applies if the steam that goes up is yatsa lettuce play. It's steaming hot. Hot enough that someone will touch it, the finger will jump back. So Machlech is supposed to be exactly how hot it's considered yatsa lettuce play. Ramosha writes in one place that somewhere between 110 and 160 degrees. We're not sure exactly what temperature it is, but somewhere between 110 and 160 degrees Fahrenheit, that's the, the level of heat which is considered Yatsa Lettuce Boy. If Shamazam Arbach has a chula about it, he writes that uh, the level of heat for Yatsa Lettuce Boy has to be at least 104 degrees or maybe at least 113 degrees and higher to consider Yatsa Lettuce Boy. If the steam is below that, even if you visibly could see the steam, that does not make any bleed, it does not create an issue of Bas Machalt. So we're talking about very hot steam, like the Shachanar's case is when you have the milk and the flesh both in the oven at the same time, the steam went up in the old fashioned small oven, so you really had issues of Zaya in your oven. Now, our ovens are much bigger, and when you cook something, you bake something in the oven, we typically do not see steam flying around our ovens. Still, Ramosha Feinstein writes, Negris Moshe Yeradea, Chelek Alasim and Mem, that even nowadays our ovens do have an issue of zeya, of steam, and therefore if you make something fleshing in your oven, the steam is going to go up, get absorbed in the top of the oven, in the sides of the oven, and then if someone makes something milchiks afterwards in the oven, the, the milchik steam will go up, It'll get absorbed, it'll hit the same top and sides of the oven, and it's gonna pull out, it's gonna schlep out the fleshka zeya, the fleshka steam that's there from before. The two steams will mix together, and now you have bus of chalav in your oven. And that's why people in America are careful to have separate fleshings in the oven, milchiks in the oven separate, because their moshe felt that in our ovens nowadays, there are issues of, of, of zeya, of steam, in the oven. Now, in the Sefer Emes the Yaakov from Yaakov Kamenetsky is brought, that if there's 24 hours between the fleshings and milchings are made, assuming the oven is clean, and there's 24 hours in between, that's good enough. And that is, as we'll discuss in Mitzvah Shem soon, that uh, after 24 hours, the, the bleas, the absorbed taste that's, in the, in, that's inside the oven or that's inside the pot, even if they come back out, they already don't give a good taste. After 24 hours, it's already nice and time of gum. Even if the t- taste and the flavor could still be 
could still come out from the walls of an oven or could still come out from a pot, it does not give a good taste anymore. It only gives a bad taste. And if from the Raisa, according to the Torah, this cannot create an issue of Basu Chalav or any other issue of, of, of Tarubas or Machalas Asuras. I mean, Chazal still made Xera of Eina Ben Yoyme Ben That means even if there's a taste, a flavor that's absorbed from longer than 24 hours ago, still one should be careful with it and avoid the scenario of Basu Chalav, even with the, the not good taste that's coming out after more than 24 hours. And on that, the Kometsky felt that our ovens nowadays, ovens in general are different than pots, especially our ovens nowadays, he felt that after 24 hours, we could make them. One looks carefully at the children for Ramesha, you see Ramesha also seems to feel that after 24 hours, the Lachas are more lenient when it comes to the ovens. And Yaakov Kometsky said with confidence that after 24 hours, assuming the oven was clean, that the issues don't exist. So therefore, if one makes flashings in the oven, and then waits 24 hours, as long as the oven is clean, and there's no flashing that drips from the bottom of the oven, he can now make mochitz in the oven. Sometimes you have some burnt up stuff in the bottom of the oven. That would not be an issue. As long as there's no tangible flashes left in the bottom of the oven, after 24 hours, one can now make mochitz in the oven. And the same would be the opposite. One can make mochitz in the oven, and as long as there's no actual mochitz left in the oven, tw- after more than 24 hours, he can now make flashes in the oven. Now sometimes you don't have time, and you can't afford to wait the 24 hours in between. So is there any solution how you can still make flashes and mochitz in your oven within 24 hours? So now that we explain that the whole issue of Fleishigav and Milchigav is because of the steam that comes out of the food, we can also understand that if either the Fleishigav food or the Milchigav food is being, is covered the entire time it's in the oven, there's also no issue of Zaya. Because Zaya, steam only comes out if the food is exposed. But if the food is covered, the steam does not escape. So if either the Fleishigav food or the Milchigav food is covered, so then they can be made in the oven within 24 hours of each other. Also, there are certain foods that don't create steam at all. And therefore, there's altogether no issue of Zaya with these foods. The Pesach Yeshuvah over there in Yerodeus and Sayyabes of Kamvav brings a Primagodim, the writes up here Rambam, Aramayesha Feinstein goes with this Primagodim, he writes that we go with this Primagodim, he writes in the Shuva, in the aforementioned Shuva, that only a liquidy thing creates a Zayah Christ steam that has a lot of berry. But a dry food, a Dabi Yavish, a dry food does not create Zayah, that would be a halach issue. So if one made a, 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 a roast and two inches of gravy in his oven and it's not covered, that makes steam in the oven from the, from the, from the gravy of the meat, no one should not make milchiks uncovered in the oven within the next 24 hours. However, if one baked chicken in their oven and it was dry, there wasn't much sauce, so since it's dry, so that does not create zayah. And then one would be allowed to make milchiks in the oven even shortly thereafter. So now we have another solution how one can make both fleshiks and milchiks in the oven within 24 hours of each other, even if both are uncovered. If either one of the two foods was a dry food, and then therefore one can make open fleshings in their oven, and afterwards they can bake challah in their oven, and besides the fact that they don't have to worry about the challah being considered fleshing of bread that we discussed earlier in the share, but they also could take that challah out of the oven and make grilled cheese with it afterwards. They can eat it with milk, because since challah is a dry food, it does not create zaya, does not create steam in the oven, and therefore does not schlep out from the top and the walls of the oven the fleshing steam that's in there from the fleshing of food that one made before in the past 24 hours. So, as long as either of the foods is dry, we're also okay. There's another solution also, if one wants to make fleshiks and milchiks in the oven within 24 hours of each other. Besides the option of covering one or the other, and besides the head of either one of the two is something which does not create steam, like a dry food, they can also, one can also, additional option is to kasher the oven in between. For kashering the oven to fleshiks and milchiks, leaving kal is good enough, which means turn the oven to the highest temperature, let's say 550 or whatever it is, and when the oven beeps that hit that temperature, then you leave it on for another 20 minutes, and then the oven is kashered back to power, and you can make whatever you want afterwards. It has a new start, born again. 
if one's oven does not beep when it hits the highest temperature, and one doesn't have time to sit around the kitchen and wait to see when the beep happens, so they can assume that it takes not more than 20 minutes to hit the hottest temperature. So if they put the oven on the highest for 40 minutes, we can assume that it hit the hottest temperature and stayed on that hottest temperature for at least 20 of the 40 minutes, and then the oven is captured back to power. Now, a few more things I want to point out about the ovens. First of all, that we're discussing the inflation in the oven and then make milchitz afterwards. Or flashing in the oven and power the one wants to eat directly with milchitz, like the example of the grilled cheese that one wants to make afterwards with the challah. However, if one makes flashing in the oven and less than 24 hours afterwards, he makes power for the oven, eats the power by itself, he would not have to wait six hours until he eats milchitz. The power does not become real flashing and therefore he does not have to wait 24 hours until he eats milchitz. So we're discussing primarily in real flashing and real milchitz in the oven, or making flashing in the oven and then power the one wants to eat directly with milchitz. Or make milchitz love, and then making power the one wants to eat directly with flashes. Another thing I want to point out, even though our, our ovens, we don't see steam flying around our ovens so much, and therefore a little more makeup with, with Zayu, steam our ovens, a microwave is different. A microwave where we see the actual steam, it steams up much more, and it's a new technology they didn't have in the times of Ghazal. It was even the more recent invention in the times of Ramesha Feinstein, their Vakam Netsky, and therefore microwaves may be different, and once you ask their own Shiloh, it regards dealing with a microwave. One thing Vakam Netsky said is that even though Flashing and milchings, if, if, if they're covered, so it does not create any zayr, steam in the oven, still, one should never make flashings and milchings in the oven at the same time, under any circumstance, even if they're covered. That we don't do. Now, discussing zayr, discussing steam over here, we've been discussing steam in the oven. What if one has a pot of chicken soup cooking, and then he lifts up the pot cover, and then he pours spices into the chicken soup? Do those spices, the spice container that he poured from, does that now become flashings and cannot be used with milchings? So first of all, we said the steam is only has a logic uh, bearing when it's yatsalas, but when steaming hot. Assumingly, if you held your hand over the spices and poured spices in the chicken soup, it wasn't that hot there. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to put your, your hand there. Additionally, the opinion of the Arpashokan and some other Paiskim is that the zayat that Shulchanarach is talking about is only when the steam is contained in the oven, like the Shulchanarach's case, where it's all happening in the oven, like we've been discussing until now. However, if it's not in the oven, if it's like the chicken soup on the stovetop, so then... The issue of Zaya does not exist, because since when the steam comes up, it spreads all directions, it does not retain its potency, and therefore does not create any bleeds. There are other ethereum also with the spices, that when you're pouring spices out from the spice container, so bleeds don't go into the spice container. There are people who are annoyed that have separate spices or flesh and milchiks, and there are others who are annoyed that when they pour the spices into the chicken soup, they don't pour the spices directly over, rather they have the spices a little bit on the side, and they pour it into their hand, and then they put their hand over the pot and pour it in. But if somebody did pour spices directly into the chicken soup, the spices do not become flashings and could be used afterwards for milks. We mentioned when it comes to the bleus, the absorption of isser in the keli in a pot or in a pan, when it comes to Bas Bachal and other isserim. So first of all, the bleus only go into a pot or a pan when it's yatsalah when it's steaming hot, which typically is the case when you're cooking, so obviously the pot or the pan gets steaming hot. And when it comes to washing dishes, we try to wash flashing dishes and milk dishes separately. However, by mistake, one washed the milk condition with the flesh conditions, or vice versa, typically nothing really becomes treif, nothing really becomes awesome. Because when washing dishes, most people nowadays do not use yachts lettuce by water. Otherwise, they have to wear gloves when they wash dishes. Now, there are people who wear gloves when they wash dishes, but my survey has shown that nowadays most people don't. The water, they don't make the water as hot, they keep the water a little bit cooler, warm, even hot, but not steaming hot, and therefore they don't have to wear gloves. And therefore, the water is probably not yachts lettuce by, you can't be sure, but in most cases, probably not yachts lettuce by. Plus, they use dish detergent, which is soap, which is pagan, which means that the flavor that's going over from one thing to the other in the sink while you wash dishes is not too great, because you have the taste of the dish detergent mixed in. 
And there are other factors as well also. Blias are typically given over in the Klerish. In other words, one would have a pot they used to, to make midr, and then they would turn around less than 25 hours later and make something milchus in it. That would be terrible. That would be trave. That would be basa v'chalot. However, that's only the actual pot that you cooked it. However, if you took the fleshiga, the, the meat, or the chicken soup out of the pot, and then you put it onto a plate, and then you take it off the plate, clean it off, and you put milchus on the plate, that might not create the issue of basa Because the, it's not the original klerishim, the meat, like that, that gave over the flavor into the plate, the plate came over to the, to the milk afterwards, it's not taking place in the klerishim. It's not taking place in the original kli. And therefore, since it's not taking place in the original kli, the rules of bliyas are different. Iri klerishim is mavashal, kde klipa, it's mavashal a little bit. When you pour over from the pot, what you pour over into, that's also mavashal a little bit, but not to the same extent as the original klerishim. And a klisheni, the second kli, like the plate, is typically not mavashal, does not cook, and does not give over bliyas, does not give over flavor at all. Now there is a shaila about a dover gush. A dover gush means you have a solid item, like a piece of meat. In other words, we're discussing either a piece of meat or chicken soup. Chicken soup is liquid, but meat is solid. A solid piece of meat, the marshal, and other places can say, that does give over tam, it does give over flavor, bleas and flavor, even the klisheni. Even when it's not in the original kli. It's a shaila that happens when you get to klishlishi, you pass it on to a third plate, does it still give over bleas over there? The marshal says that a dover gush, a solid item like a piece of meat, Gives over flavor in a klisheni. Klishlishi would be a shayla. The Ramon, other places can hold not like that. And behold, even a solid item does not give over tam, does not give over flavor in a klisheni. We generally try to mock the Dabra Gush, which the Brewer brings down a few places, no Pesach and no Shabbos. But Ramosha writes in the Chuba that we only keep as a chumrah, therefore, when there's other truth from other mitigating factors, we can more make So somebody who has a shayla of Iri Klishan or Bli of a Dabra Gush in a klisheni, they should ask their own individual shayla. We also want to point out, that we said that typically after 24 hours, the flavor that got into the pot is not good. And therefore, even if the flavor still comes out, it's only Isra Lachatchilam and Rabbanan, and doesn't really make anything trafe anymore. It's more than 24 hours. There is a big exception to this, and that's a Dover Kharif, a sharp item. For example, if someone fries onions in a fleshka pan, even the pan is not used for fleshiks for more than 24 hours, it's possible the onions will still become fleshiks. It's not Pashat, because it's not clear exactly which items are considered sharp enough to be Dover Kharif nowadays. Also, when the fries onions, you over fries them in a significant amount of oil. And therefore, it could be the oil takes away the sharpness, the sharfkat, we would say in Yiddish, of the onions. And therefore, it could be the onions would not have the effect of Dover Kharif at that point to pull out the fleshka flavor from the pan and to make the onions fleshes. So if somebody did um, fry onions in a fleshka pan, and then they realize they want to use these onions for milchiks, or they mistakenly already put it into something milchik, or something they plant it with milchiks, they should ask their own shiloh. There's a base mayor, and you're a day, and there's some involved, that's megal, in many cases, but you have it. Also, when one cuts an onion, so you should typically, the best is to cut it with a, with a sharp harbor knife. Because if you cut it with a fleshka knife, or if you cut it with a milchka knife, even the knife was not used for fleshiks and milchiks the past 24 hours, since the onions are dovacharv, Plus, you have the duchka sakina, you have the pressure and the sharpness of the knife cutting through, so that can also cause the onion to get the status of the knife. So, for example, if you cut onion with a sharp fleshika knife, even if the knife was not used for hot fleshiks in the past 24 hours, the onion also could be categorized as fleshiks afterwards. Here again, if one did that and then he plans on using it for mochiks or mistakenly used it for something that's been eaten with mochiks, there's many coolers, but you have it based on a besmeer and other paiskim. And therefore, one should ask their own child. Now, if an onion or another sharp food came into contact 
with a spoon or with a plate or with anything cold, that's nothing. That does not have any effect on the onion, nor is there any effect on the spoon or on the plate. That which says extra chumrah here of davacharav is either when it's being cooked, even in the pot that was not used for flesh, it's a milk, because it passed 24 hours, but still after 24 hours, the sharpness of the onion can still bring out the flesh and the milk of flavor. And also, even in the cold form, when it's being cut with a sharp knife, the knife, the sharpness of the cut of the knife could also affect the onion, even if the knife was not used for flesh and milk because it passed 24 hours. But for dealing with cold, or not dealing with the sharpness of the knife, then there's no extra chumrah of davacharav. The Base Havad on the Parsha series has been brought to you by the Base Havad Halacha Center. To reach the Center for Halacha Consultations, Service, Educational Seminars, or Media, please call 1-888-485-VAD. That's 1-888-485-8223. To sign up to the BHHJ, the Base Havad's weekly interactive e-journal, please visit www.bhhj.org or you can email us at office at the halachacenter.org.